Welcome, you're listening to the Mac Observer's Background Mode. This is your host, John Marchalero. And this week, my guest is a now-frequent visitor and recent guest, and New York attorney John Keat. John, welcome John, to the how show. Are you? Hi, I'm good. Oh, sorry, welcome. I jumped in on your intro. That's okay, that's okay. Welcome back. Thanks, good to be back. You were on just recently before WWDC, and uh, the situation has come up where it makes perfect sense to have you on after WWDC because there was a Macintosh announced that is near and dear to our hearts in different ways. <laughs> well, Apple did you know, it. They funny. finally did it. Yeah, you know what's funny is that I think you know uh, you and I. Uh, I think you, you think we disagree on a bunch of issues, and likely we we may, uh, but. Our reaction viscerally during the show, as reported by Brian, <laughs> apparently was the same. We were both, uh, as he reported, freaking out uh, with glee uh, that they uh, it, it, that it didn't end up being a stack of uh, Mac Mini flapjacks, <laughs> yeah. which was my dreaded fear. And I and I won the bet with uh, with Brian. Uh, oh, what is the owe you? Right, the owe you lunch. He now he just uh, has to deal with me uh, gloating, which is way worse than paying for lunch. <laughs> <laughs> well, we weren't quite sure what modular meant, although I read an article that insisted that Apple was trying desperately to telegraph what modular meant. Yes, yes, there was an interview with uh, the I forget the 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 gentleman's name, but uh, the head of the Mac Pro group, and he said he was. It, it, and Brian and I on one of his podcasts, I said he, he was so vehemently like sure that I was a complete idiot in my interpretation of module. I'm like, dude. Uh, there, there are RAM modules, there are storage modules, this, uh, there are PCI modules. All they're talking about is slots. And he's like, no, it's, it's totally the flapjack iMac, uh, or not Mac mini kind of, uh, you know, it means something else. Cause he was desperately tr- hoping that their, um, you know, just outright incompetence and in taking so long to, put out this Mac Pro. Well, I think it was, only took two years. Uh, you know, in April in 2017, only. they had that meeting. They <laughs> had on, that meet- two well, years for the largest I, I read a theory that they just, in the world. they just dropped it and didn't plan to do another one. <clears throat> and we're really bummed out about the 2013 Mac Pro and its loss of acceptance. And, and so they were kind of thinking, maybe we just won't do that anymore. Maybe there's no market. Hewlett Packard and Dell have taken over the workstation market. And maybe we just don't need to do that anymore. And then... I was writing vicious articles, uh, vicious is the right word, aggressive articles about the need for an Apple workstation in 2015, 16, 17. And then Apple had this big meeting where uh, they invited some uh, journalists, journalists, luminaries to come out and kind of laid out the situation. Now, I think that was the start of the clock ticking. I think that it took them... Um, I think it was 2017 when they had the meeting where they, yeah. they said we were failures and uh, we made a mistake. So one, that it took them that long, four years to figure out that their failures is incompetence. And then that it took them this long well, to, to announce, not yet ship, to announce that the Mac Pro is coming out is also incompetence if you measure it by any other company that's regularly putting out computers, which well, Apple that's has true. stopped I mean, doing. If you, if you have a track Apple record of putting stuff out. If you put and stuff out no regularly. Excuse, 
Yeah. And there's no excuse when you're the world's largest market cap of you know, <laughs> computer makers. So it's, it's just gross incompetence. And everyone makes excuses for it, uh, I, and I'm calling it like it is. There, there's no excuse for Apple not to have been doing better. It, it's fine. And the funny thing is, I'm actually cool with them making a mistake, although one wonders why they made the same mistake two, three, four times in a row, like the Cube and then making the Trash Can Mac, which is basically another Cube. But on the other hand, I'm glad they try. You never get you know, to really cool, innovative things if you don't fail a few times. So the failing isn't the problem. It's that it takes them so long to recognize that they failed. And that gets into the article that I wrote, which is you have pundits and Mac apologists constantly making excuses for them. Oh, well, they really didn't mean it. They were really working hard. No, they failed. By any measure, if we were looking, if we would all be laughing our uh, posteriors off if this was Microsoft, right? Thank We'd you like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> you got to be kidding me. We'd just be pointing our fingers laughing, ah, you failures. Well, there's, and, th- there's two questions that come to mind. One is, what turned Apple around? What, you know, the, there was a lot of articles that said Apple has lost the creative pros and the technical pros. Apple doesn't usually respond well to uh, journalists who prod the company. Um, you say that, but uh, there's one. There's two different contingents of journalists. There are the ones that will be forgiven, and uh, then there's the rest of the unwashed masses that that are basically <laughs> sycophants, right? So when Walt Mossberg said uh, that uh, Mobile Me was really bad, Steve Jobs says, "Hey, you let down our friend Walt, right?" Uh, but yeah, it might be because Walt is is, he's is on normally the 18, quite. Though. Yeah. Well, he's on the A-team, but he's also quite a bit of a sycophant, in my opinion. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, the, the point is that he may be forgiven, whereas other folks of lesser stations that yeah. don't write for the Wall Street Journal <laughs> will be banned permanently. And so uh, some of the pundits are afraid of that. But if you – one, I'm going to take full credit for, for the turnaround because I wrote the Mac Pro is a failure. I also wrote uh, recently that um, – that and we got no coverage on, on TMO about other than the article itself uh, was that uh, Tim Cook is a failure uh, in uh, in um, in what he's supposed to be good at operations. And one of the things I criticized in that article is how do you put all your eggs in one basket and put production in China? And Apple recently says, hey, we're going to be moving maybe 30 percent or more. There's articles today of our production outside of China. I think that I was a threat. No, I think that was a threat criticize that uh, i of course have uh meek meek other uh i won't even call them journalists uh criticizing my own articles but i've been proven right about that i've been proven right that the mac pro was a failure when you know mac world was saying it's it's a great machine for pros and it wasn't but the bottom line is you're talking about the 2013 mac pro right yeah the, i'm sorry the trash can mac pro yeah. the bottom line is you get an idea out like that it starts discussion, and if there's enough pushback, not just by journalists, but also by users, if, if they make enough noise, Apple will eventually say, hey, we made a mistake. Uh, the classic example of but that. But why did it take them six years? I mean, there must have been well, a time when they just thought, we're not going to do that anymore, and so we're going to just accept our failure and move on to phones and, and MacBooks. I think because eventually the there was enough of a cacophony of um, of articles uh, uh, and people saying this is a failure, but uh, it took them that long time. And it took them that long time, in my opinion, because there were too many apologists defending 
you could find slews of articles uh, like the Macworld article saying how, how great the Trashcan Mac was for pros, defending that design instead of giving it real critical. Well, that's just lame. Uh, I have a Mac Pro. I'm talking to you on one. It suits my purposes, but I would agree with you that it was a failure on the market. It's it, Well, it, it's... It, even if it was a success in the market, it's a failure uh, in providing what enthusiasts and pros want and need. And there's this constant, just intolerable, insufferable, insulting pushback from pundits that say, this Mac isn't for you. You need to be, uh, you, you should be happy. Uh, there's plenty of power in an iMac. Or, and, and they're telling people, let me tell you what well, you want. Well, let's explore that. Because I had a discussion the other day on on TDO about that. The Mac Pro 2019 model has within it the hardware capability to to exploit special kinds of software, simulations, OpenCL, Metal, uh, advanced scientific utilities that require an enormous amount of horsepower that most people can't exploit with the software they have at hand. I mean, it's one thing for scientists at a laboratory to do AI research and have a code base of 2 million lines of code that runs in, in C++. It's another thing for an enthusiast to be running a browser and some games. Well, you know, let's let's talk about what enthusiasts are. They're, they're often power users. They're often uh, uh, tinkerers. They're often... Uh, people that are IT for their entire family, they often uh, do things that push the boundaries of their computer, even though they don't have a need like work driving them just because they're into it. If you look at the Mac Pro forums on Mac Rumors, which is um, a really interesting group, you have people there that took uh, parts of the BIOS of the iMac and rewrote them into the BIOS of the old uh, uh, cheese grater 2010 um, uh, BIOS just so that NVMe would be bootable. They've done that with uh, taking uh, portions of ROMs from Apple video cards to make PC cards work. They do all the, uh, they've, they've gotten uh, crazy SSDs to work uh, on these machines. Uh, they do that not because, oh gosh, I have a video production I need to do. They do it because that's what they like to do. And those people, these kind of power users, they want those slots. They want the ability to do that. And people telling them, well, you don't really need that power because you're not, you know, cranking on Bitcoin 24 hours a day or whatever else people deem is the right reason to have a machine of that power. You know, it's insulting to them. How dare you talk down to them? How dare you tell me what it is I want or need? I I am the arbiter of that and if i say i want and need slots i want and need slots so just go buy it's one it's the most insulting so, thing so, so the next logical the step is to thing. say go buy one if you need that kind of power well, and well, then the complaint so then is, gets, is that it's too expensive but the question well, is and, why is it expensive what's in the hardware that's special that makes it unreachable so this is a great topic and 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 um i think it's it, you need to break this down into two parts the first part is is the current Mac Pro entry point reasonable for what it is, right? For what it offers, the processors, the RAM, whatever, and uh, reasonably priced there. No, I don't and then think the second so. question, it's a lot of money for a little capability. 32 gig of RAM, 256 SSD. Hmm, that's not what I would call $6,000 worth of hardware. 
Well, and, and that's a fair criticism. And the second question is, could there have been an even more <laughs> anemic model <laughs> that, that people could, could get into? Because the, the history of the Mac Pro from the 2006 model when it was introduced, I, I'm not going to go back to the G5 version of it, uh, is it went for as low as $2,200. So where's and the extra money something. going? Why, why was that 2200 Of course, accounting for inflation, Right. It kind of for inflation, that probably brings us to, say, $3,000. Right. right? So, uh, $3, so what is it about the 2019 Mac Pro that's hardware that's so expensive? Is it the power of the PCI slots you were referring to last time? So um, I, I think there's a little bit of gouging on, on Apple's part, which they've been doing more and more recently in the sense that, <clears throat> people, that people that have priced out similar components, <clears throat> similar processor, similar RAM, similar mm. video cards, come out to a price point of uh, about th- uh, between three to $3,500, depending on What kind of profit margin is that? Is that zero uh, profit margin or is that 50%? Well, that, in- that includes whatever margin is baked into those, to those things you know, offered at retail pricing. So there's a decent margin in theirs, but, but probably thinner than, than Apple's, and that's fair. So in essence, you're paying $2,500 for the very swank case. And uh, for some of the cool, unique features that are in the Mac Pro, like the MDX cards, which are awesome, and um, the you know the the port structure uh, that, that's going on there, because the machine is so heavy on USB-C and Thunderbolt, that is just not as common. I mean, you can add Thunderbolt to these other uh, cards, but well, the would, a, would a Mac Pro Mini that's for three thousand dollars be a Mac Mini, and uh, <laughs> would, uh, would it be a real Mac Pro Mini? If it didn't have the MDX system, uh, maybe what could we strip I, out? And what, would that piss off the people who were really looking forward to a high performance system? So first of all, no matter what they do, they'll piss someone off, right? Because it's just <laughs> the nature, the nature of our world. But um, I don't think you even have to go that far. I think they could have gone to a lower gigahertz rated uh, Xeon, uh, a four or six core, mm-hmm. and. Uh, frankly, they could sell this with zero RAM, but sell it with some de minimis amount of RAM, eight, because nobody wants Apple's RAM because it's overpriced. You and can't we're do just anything with eight. I've seen you write about that now. I, you can't do anything <laughs> in eight gigabytes of RAM anymore. You need, well, and, so, and it's worth fifty bucks. To you go can't do fit. anything with their slow, horrible, proprietary <laughs> two hundred and fifty-six gig SSD either. People are going to basically <laughs> throw that out and throw in a PCI card with an NVMe uh, uh, SSD that's way faster and way cheaper, and they're just going to ignore that. So the point is, sell a more bare bones machine, knowing that people are just going to upgrade it anyway. So sell it with eight gigs or, or zero RAM, frankly, and people are going to go to uh, Mac Sales, uh, OWC, and buy their own memory and uh, buy their own storage. And the point is to get the entry point down to say three thousand or thirty five hundred. All of a sudden, you're going to bring in a lot of those enthusiasts that are going to, that I, I've been monitoring in the forums and, and different. Groups of, pro, of pros and enthusiasts I talk to, and they love the machine. I mean, everyone is agreed on one thing: we love the machine. It has all the stuff that we were hoping for. Yeah, we wish it had PCIe four instead of three, and uh, there are little uh, quibbles and nits here. But overall, the 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 answer is hallelujah. Um, and uh, they all agree on that. But the pricing is is just th- those enthusiasts that Apple used to target with the think different ads right that those are the folks that saved apple back in the day yeah apple but that was 20 target. years ago john it, it right, hasn't that, apple recovered from its wounds after 20 years because they still owe us let's put this in context so this is another great question 
in how do we value the enthusiasts? What, what worth are there? Some people will rightly say they're a minuscule portion of uh, Apple's you know, purchasing audience. And so they don't matter. We, they don't need them anymore. But you could say the same thing during the John Scully era after they fired Steve Jobs. John Scully had the greatest sales uh, after that, he really uh, marketed the heck out of uh, all the machines, made huge profits. And what happened is eventually, because of the lack of innovation, everyone started leaving uh, Apple. And the only people that were left when things were super bad, when Apple was near bankruptcy, when Steve Jobs came back to clean house, were those enthusiasts. So you, you, those are the people that bridged them into success, that, 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 that <coughs> believed enough to buy uh, whatever Steve Jobs was selling to save the company. Why would you and, – and those people have an outsized effect, I believe, on influencing others because they are IT for their families and friends. They do uh, – some of them are pros, but many of them are not, and they just influence people around them. Why would you – people – die and kill themselves to find mm. the fervent uh, consumers like that to follow them? And why would you just say, you know what, we don't need you anymore? Well, I, have an, I have an answer to that question. You need to cross that bridge again, John. I have, I have an answer to that, but we got to take sure. a commercial break. And it's a crackpot theory, but I want to try it on you after the break. Sounds good. Folks, I'm talking to TMO contributor John Key. We'll be back in 60 seconds. Stay with us. And we have an exciting part two with my crackpot theory. We'll be right back. Hello there, all you fabulous background mode listeners. I'm Kelly Gamont with the Mac Observer, and I just want to say a few words about how you can support all the things we do. If you're thinking about buying something from Apple, Amazon, or Mac Mall, just go to the Mac Observer's homepage where we have a section called Support TMO. Or you can just enter macobserver.com forward slash Apple Store, all one word, and that will take you to our special page for Apple and our other affiliates. If you make a purchase from one of our partners this way, the Mac Observer receives a small compensation for sending business their direction. Pretty cool, right? And you don't pay a penny more. This small fee from our affiliates helps us continue to bring you TMO's daily news, reviews, tips, how-tos, and podcasts like this one. So the next time you're thinking about an online purchase, come to TMO's homepage and support the Mac Observer. Thanks. Back to you, John. We're back. I'm chatting with John Keat. All right. Listen, I have a theory. Hear me out. Hit me. It takes, it takes a second. Apple is planning on producing a Mac Pro Mini. The Mac Pro Mini is going to be coming out in 2020. It's going to look just like the 2019 Mac Pro but it will be a more affordable version, just as you've been describing. It learns from the technology of the Mac Pro, and Apple has a good idea about how to scale it down to make it affordable for the enthusiasts. But the problem would be, if Apple introduced the Mac Pro Mini now, there would be wailing and gnashing of teeth that Apple fell short, and the technical and creative pros would say you did a half-baked job, and Apple would be under enormous criticism. By releasing the full-blown expensive version now, Apple gets the creative and technical pros enthusiastic and excited. Everybody feels like Apple has built the best possible machine they knew how to build. And then when they come out with the Mac Pro Mini next year, everybody will say, wow, I can either buy the big one or I can buy the affordable one. My choice. But the order is important. What do you think? 
So I think that's a perfectly reasonable theory. I actually, uh, Kelly Gumont, um, uh, did a podcast where I commented, uh, uh, on the article post of it saying, you know, she, she thought that I wouldn't be, she had a kind of an optimistic view and, and, and shared a similar idea that they would somehow trickle this tech down. And I said, I'm actually uh, positive, uh, which is rarity for me <laughs> as well. And I, I think we, uh, you may be right that they may make a whole different model. I don't think they need to because part of the pricing problem here is also the gouging that Intel does. Intel's chips are stupidly overpriced. The 28 core, which is a loser chip in my opinion, uh, it goes for 7,500 retail. We'll see do what we, Apple... Do we know if that's a 10 nanometer chip or still a 14? No, it's still 14 nanometer. And that's oh why I call my. it a loser chip. Oh my. Whereas the you know the AMD Threadripper is now 7 nanometer and 32 core and... Uh, so it it offers uh, the Intel chip offers like eighty seven percent of the performance roughly uh, for three hundred percent of the cost of the AMD part. So it's 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 ludicrous, and part of it, uh, this is you know just being passed on to us. So what I do think is I don't think you need a whole new model. I think that costs Apple a lot for what is already a niche machine. I think next year uh, they could offer say a six core. Uh, version of this uh, the Xeon chip and now what is the 8 core base could be a 12 core right as the the hopefully the chip prices come down and eventually maybe Apple will just stop using Intel as well which will change things greatly well, that's the next but, subject is the A series chips and why Apple didn't go A series on this Mac Pro that's yeah, the just, next just topic yeah, just to finish out the the thought, it, the, the point is that they don't need a whole new model. They just need a little more headroom in the chip uh, chip offerings, and a year might be enough time, especially if if people don't apologize for it and they keep screaming, we need an enthusiast entry level model or you know something around the three thousand thirty five hundred dollar mark. We can push them to do it, and they can do it just by dropping the gigahertz and having a lower six core entry point, and then uh, having a more spread out version mm-hmm. of the. Of, of the chip offerings, and you can get to that price point, in my opinion, with uh, just by doing that. There's reason right, to believe that Apple can do a, that. A mini version too, which would be great as well. I, I don't, I don't have a problem with either of those, but I think it's more likely uh, rather than coming up with a whole new model and motherboard that they can just do that and still get to the price point. Well, I went to the Hewlett Packard website a while back, and I looked at the Z8 workstations. And I noticed that if you load it up with a lot of memory and a lot of storage, you can get into the $30,000 range real quick. But one of the things I noticed was is that Hewlett Packard is selling these Z8 workstation base models, and I think they may even have that infamous 8 gig RAM, for $3,000 to $3,500. Thank you for making my point. <laughs> <laughs> so Hewlett Packard does it. Why right, didn't so- Apple do it? Apple could have done it, I think, here, again, with like a, a lower gigahertz, six core, eight gig of RAM, and people would have growled, but they would have happily at least been able to buy in. I don't – look, my point with the, with the whole criticism isn't just to be a jerk, which is normally good enough reason for myself because I am a jerk. But no, it, it, it is to force pushback. Uh, the, uh, I think I, um, I didn't get out. The, the classic model of pushback was when Apple was – pushing DVDs, uh, slot-loading DVDs on the I'm, uh, original IMAX when, when uh, Steve Jobs came back. And the public was like, we don't want these. We want, we want to rip and burn, right? And they got enough kickback that Apple said, you know what? We made a mistake. <laughs> Let's correct this. And we did it quickly because there was enough feedback to do it quickly. So Apple will respond. Uh, they responded to AntennaGate. But you really have to make a kerfuffle. 
uh, for them to respond. Otherwise, all these apologists, all these I'm sorry's, all these rationalizations, they just prolong the agony of the mistake. And I think that's part of what happened with the 2013 Mac Pro. By the way, I think the 2000 Mac Pro is a fantastic machine. It is a great Mac Pro Mini or Mac Mini Pro or whatever. And for a lot of folks, it's fantastic. There was never a question. Plus, it's, a, it's almost like an art piece, frankly. It's, it's so like lusciously beautifully designed it's a wonderful machine for what it is i like it but what it was not was a slot based machine that enthusiasts and pros really wanted and needed well there there is an argument that apple was going after the high-end creative and technical professionals consulted with them said what do you need spent a long time listening to what they wanted and then they started going you know engineering that decision and by the time they were done, somebody said, well, your engineering suggests that this is going to be an expensive machine. And the answer was, that's okay, because people aren't paying their, they aren't using their own money to buy the machine. Uh, for, for this 2019 uh, Mac Pro, you mean? Yeah, yeah. I, I'd expect 95% of the buyers would be people who are using corporate or government money I, I think that's machine. right. I, I think you're right, but I think ignoring the enthusiasts is a mistake. And Apple may think differently on that. They may just not care about the enthusiasts anymore. I, I think it's a mistake because they are outsized cheerleaders. They are the folks that were so loyal to the core uh, that saved the company. You never know when you might have a hard time and you could use that kind of enthusiasm in your camp. And let me assure you, let me guarantee you, just like I was railing back when I wrote the, the Mac Pro is a failure article, that pros were leaving in insignificant yes. numbers. Yes, I agree. That, that enthusiasts currently are leaving in significant numbers, and uh, they, this Mac Pro broke their heart in, in a number of ways, and a bunch of them are going to leave and are leaving because of it, because they can't afford it. They can't, And even if they can't afford it, they don't want to justify it, because it's just not at that price level. And Apple... Uh, should hear that that is if they're doing it knowingly god bless if they're doing it ignorantly which i think they are uh they should reconsider and get an entry-level model out uh that would uh that that these enthusiasts would be happy with but you know reasonable people can disagree on this in that saying that they're they're a round-off error to a round-off error right the pro model and and <laughs> is a round-off error itself and then going to the niche of a niche of enthusiasts in the pro model is even more of a round-off error and that there's probably valid uh, th- that's a valid opinion well, it's hard to quantify that enthusiast uh, support when it comes to cash revenue let me ask you a question that kind of gets to the heart of the matter. Apple doesn't like to leave money on the table. You know, they have an iPhone X, XS, they have an iPhone XR, they have an iPhone uh, XS Max. They have uh, a range of MacBooks and MacBook Pros and MacBook Airs. They've smothered the market to make sure there are no niches for competitors. You know, they've got the iMacs, they've got the iMac Pro, they've got the Mac Pro. If they thought there was a hole in the market, if there was money being left on the table, if there was a product that would be swooped up, they would deliver it, wouldn't they? Yeah. Again, uh, there, there's this mythos of or of of hyper competence at Apple. Let me assure you, I, I have many friends that work at Apple. The gross <laughs> levels of incompetence that goes on there are are, are just manyfold. And this, so you this think they'll leave the money on the table by not catering to the yeah. enthusiasts? Yeah. Uh, now, 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 here's here's a good question. 
do we care about uh, the, the money they're leaving on the table might be a, com- a group that is completely different, right? That, that doesn't want slots and, and just wants a, a $3,000 computer. That's kind of something else. I don't know. It could be an all in one, could be a mini tower. It could be something else. And that's a fair, the, a fair question. I think they actually have a decent spread on the price spectrum because the iMac is such a broad category of machine. I forget the, the iMac pro. It's a disgusting pile of garbage in my opinion, but, um, the the iMac itself is wonderful today. From the entry model to the topped out eight core, you except get, it still has a coffee lake. It's two years old, maybe more. That I agree with, <laughs> but but just in the breadth of its uh, one, the price spectrum and the power spectrum that it offers, it's a pretty broad product. So it it will uh, sate a lot of the market. And again, I think this is different. There are two different discussions. There's the the pure revenue, and then there's the investment in enthusiasts because what they kick back to you isn't measurable in direct sales because of their outsized. Inf- if you go into outsized- a meeting at Apple, the Phil Schiller, and you and you try to quantify that enthusiast base, how do you possibly put a number on that and make it well, stick? I'll tell you. You know, Steve Jobs did quantify it in some sense. Um, who knows how many. Uh, you know, the average person uh, that, that is an influencer enthusiast like that, do they influence 10, 20 other people uh, in their just uh, first degree of separation? Mm-hmm. You know, their moms and dads mm-hmm. and families. And then beyond that, you know, how many how many do they affect if they're if they have any social media presence uh, at all? It, it, it is it is not measurable directly in what they do. And yet they want the, the version of the machine that states them, even though they may recommend other machines that have nothing to do with, with the machine they want, right? Because they know for their mom, the iMac is great. Um, so that is very difficult to quantify. But Steve Jobs did quantify. He targeted, not pros, he didn't say, give me your you know, well-heeled uh, <laughs> white shoe law firm uh, demographic for the Think Different campaign. He didn't say, give me the Pixar renderers for this. He said, give me you know, the odd ducks. Yeah, but also, Steve, remember, remember, my friends, Steve Jobs was a big fan of the Cube. He pushed it, that hard, and he had one on his desk. But what was great was he thought it was he an appliance that computing. Was was, quick. He thought appliance computing was the future. He killed that machine quick. Well, yeah, it was too expensive and not very capable. But, he but his the lesson. Is, <laughs> there's no, there's no shame, in my opinion, in making the mistake. The mistake is in draw. Uh, the, the the problem is in drawing out the mistake. So when he killed it quickly, great. You know, you tried it, didn't work. Moving on. Uh, taking from from 2013 to to not even now to get a, a, a <laughs> right. machine out is 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 beyond. I mean, if this was Microsoft, we would be lambasting well, them. Well, this is in the earlier part of the show. I think they've only been working on it for two years, not six. Well, that, that it took them <laughs> that it took them four years to realize it is also an embarrassment. No matter how you cut where you slice those points, it's embarrassing coming and going. Well, they were it's too busy whole, building Apple Park and uh, having the plans on their desk going, fantasizing about which office window they were going to have in the spaceship. Yeah, they were very busy with with anything other than being competent. Again, we would we would <laughs> rightly criticize any other company for for being utter failures uh, in doing what they did. And the good news is it's corrected. But again, my point in the article was don't enable these folks by apologizing for them. Call them out for it. Um, and hopefully, this is a sign. Uh, it, it, and, and to be fair, slowly Apple has been you know 
starting to regularly pump out machines. They're still two years late on the iMac Pro and the MacBook. Uh, hopefully, we'll we'll come to that. And I think yeah, the MacBook might tie into that other topic you wanted to talk about, which was the uh, ARM-based Macs coming in the future. Um, right, right. You, they, you know, it's 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 kind of crazy to we're almost certain that Apple's going to go to A series in the Macs, and they're kind of squeezed for time now because this is the last you know big refresh we got the. MacBook Air refreshed. We got the Mac Mini refreshed. We got the Mac Pro out the door. Now they're up against the the time when in 2020 or 2021 they're going to go A series. We're almost certain. So why so, didn't they just go A series square one with the new Mac Pro and save themselves a lot of engineering effort? So this is another argument that I I uh, was proven 100% right and uh, that I had with Brian. He thought the Mac Pro would be the right model, and I said it wasn't because. The A series is, you know, who knows what they have in the labs, but based on the the latest chip, which is a glorious, which is triumph of chip, the A12X in the mm-hmm. in the iPad Pro, the latest one, it is an eight core chip. It has six gigs of RAM all on the chip. I mean, it's just an, it's insane what what the the chip uh, folks at Apple it's are doing. Fastest in desktop PCs, they say. Uh, yeah, it, it's faster than uh, many of the MacBook Pros um, models that are out. So it's a, a glorious chip, and on its level, it can compete. And let's assume, you know, if they tailor one for the Mac, they could easily go from eight cores to say sixteen cores, and 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 really, uh, you and that chip. The so eight, why didn't they do you know, it? it? There's no cooling. There's no cooling on it, and it, it doesn't get warm inside that tiny cramped case. It's it's a marvel. It's a marvel that it, it, it does way better than what and Intel has. And the A13 will be upon us in just a few months. Right. So for the, the po- problem is it doesn't compete with Xeons yet, uh, at least at that level. Who knows? You know, like I said, I don't know what Apple has cooking in its uh, labs, but even if you assume a doubling right, of the already incredible performance in, in there, it's still not going to be at Xeon level. So I didn't think that it was likely or possible to put it into the Mac Pro, although Brian had a similar theory that if you start with the powerful one, then you're like, if it's powerful enough for this, it'll definitely be powerful enough for the laptop. I think the most likely place, the place that makes the most sense for it is in the basically near-abandoned MacBook. The chip in there is just beyond garbage. It's just oh, yeah. worthless garbage. It it for what it does, it, it, eats it, up it runs much at around power. point. Well, my 2015 MacBook runs about one gigahertz. Yeah, it, it's terrible, and <laughs> it's a two core. So the, what's great is if they go even with just the A12X in that machine, it will destroy the current machine by like a factor of four. And if they put in an even newer chip, it's going to make that machine just insanely fast compared to what it was. It's going to draw way less power and have way more battery life. It's going to destroy it in every measurable way. And it becomes a no-brainer for people that are looking at that machine and say, oh, my gosh, I could get some, uh, you know, I could get eight cores instead of two cores on that machine. It's going to sip power. It doesn't need any cooling. No no fan, right. Uh, So in so many ways, it's it's an easy first step. It's for a model that is not exactly, you know, their hottest seller, so they can be a little more experimental with it and and make the first step. And it's just such a win power-wise. But the, it's problem, such a, the problem, John, is, is that people who buy that kind of computer have a need to run Windows, either a dual boot or in a virtual machine think, environment, and you have to I don't think anyone this. is... 
I don't think anyone buying a MacBook is running Windows, uh, definitely not under virtualization because the machine has so little RAM and such anemic processors. And I doubt, uh, you know, you may be right, but it just doesn't strike me as the kind of machine that if I were doing (laughs) PC work, that's not the machine I would buy for it. So I think that's another reason to do it on that machine versus not to do it. The Mac Pro. If you're buying a MacBook to do parallels or VMware, you want to buy a MacBook Pro. Exactly. And realistically, most virtualization is going to happen on a Mac Pro. Well, maybe not most, but a lot of virtualization for, uh, from IT pros would happen on, on bigger metal. So that's another reason why you want to have Xeons for a little while longer, because yeah. those folks really do need virtualization. Whereas that tiny little MacBook, you know, if you're doing virtualization on it, you know, God bless. That's awesome. But I think I think most folks just want it because it's a great little uh, laptop Travel to fly machine. with, do yeah, some yeah. like PowerPoint stuff on and you're and you're gonna you're gonna be fine so powerpoint anyway i can't be wrong but that's my bet for the first model (laughs) i think you have a good reasoning there you know we're just about out of time we're gonna have to wrap up we maybe only have a minute left is there any closing remarks you want to make no um i i think that it was a lovely chat as always and uh i don't I, i don't recall where we disagreed i thought you said we might disagree but i think uh, i agree with um, basically well i asked mo- you most some pretty you pointed questions from my viewpoint and we got through it so you're right we we kind of uh, kind of did get through it in a, in a agreeable kind of way yeah I, I think the only place we have a point of potential difference is you think there might be a whole new model like a mac uh, pro mini uh, and I think that they're and just the going to order of release is critical. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I, I agree with you there that I actually agree with you. Um, uh, but the, the question is, will, if they do serve that lower end market, how will they serve it? Will it be with a whole new machine or just a lower spec machine? My bet is on the lower spec machine. Your bet is on maybe a new model and, uh, your guess is probably as good, if not better than mine. So we'll, cool, time cool. will tell. Well, thanks for joining me. It's been a fun discussion. Thanks, John. I enjoyed it. How can the listeners contact you if they wish and send you love letters? <laughs> uh, on the TMO site, any of my articles, you can click and uh, that'll send me an email. Great, great. Well, thanks for having, thanks for being on the show and having a great discussion with me. It was wonderful. Thank you, John. I enjoyed it too. Folks, you've been listening to the Mac Observer's Background Mode with John Martellero and John Keat. We'll be back next week.